Praise the Lord. It's such a joy to be back here teaching the book of Revelation. And today we have reached Revelation chapter 17. All the previous chapters are available on YouTube, so you can go and, you know, uh, listen to them to get a knowledge about the book of Revelation. So shall we start with a prayer? Name the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, we thank you and praise you, God, for your good, your mercy and love endures forever. Thank you, Jesus, for your promise that you will never leave us nor forsake us. And thank you, God, it's only by your grace that I'm able to stand here and teach your word of God. Thank you, Lord, that it is you who speaks the word to your children, everyone who's listening to this teaching and everyone who's going to go and listen to this teaching, O Master. And you make it very simple and easy to understand, O Master. Lord, we anoint this teaching with your precious blood. We cover every year that is hearing this with the precious blood. And thank you, O God, that you're always with us. And your word is alive and active. And as it has been spoken forth, it will go and accomplish the purpose for which it has been sent forth for. We thank you, Abba Father. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Mama Mary, Guardian Angel, all angels and saints in heaven. We make this prayer in the mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Praise God. So in Revelation 16, we read uh, about the plagues that, uh, sorry, we read about the wrath that was poured out upon the upon the earth, the sea, the air. That is the seven bowls of wrath that the seven angels who came down from heaven and they poured the wrath. So now we come to Revelation chapter 17. And uh, before uh, reading about this chapter, this chapter basically, you know, is uh, talking about uh, three people, three uh, characters in this that I would like to say is one is the... They say is that the woman, or they call her the, you know, what she's called as the great, great whore, or the whore would be a slut or a harlot or a prostitute, if you, in a simple word. It's just talking about this particular woman who is a great harlot or great whore. And then we have the beast. Then we have the scarlet, scarlet beast and also, we have the Lamb. Now, the Lamb of God is very clear to understand that we know it is Jesus Christ. So, you know, there's nothing uh, difficult about that. He is the Lamb of God. Lamb of God, L-A-M-B. So, who is this whore and who is this beast? Now, both about both of them, we have uh, learned in the previous chapters. But the thing that we need to keep in mind here are the Revelation time period. One is, this, this book has been written by St. John, and uh, the revelation that was given to him, which uh, happened later on, for him it was 
it's in the future. He does, he's not seen it. But for us, it is in the past. It has already happened. So every record of it is available. So that is a revelation that has already happened. And the second is a futuristic revelation. And that futuristic revelation is what's going to uh, take place. And that is the end. The event, everything is going to be, you know, the world is going to come to an end. And uh, uh, all that is old passes away and Jesus creates a new Jerusalem. And there's a new heaven and everything new is created. That is completely new. So the first uh, uh, first revelation that uh, was uh, spoken about to uh, St. John at that time is uh, uh, the period of uh, the destruction of the second temple of Jerusalem. And that happens in AD 60, like exactly 40 years after Jesus' death. So when the temple is destroyed, so there is, uh, uh, you know, the entire context is about that. And the second is the futuristic one that is going to take place. So what happened at the time of the destruction of the second temple, it was only localized to, uh, you know, a small place, Jerusalem, Roman Empire, and the places around it. And there was the, you know, the, uh, the, the judgment passed upon uh, Jerusalem at that particular point of time. And in that contest it took place so the kingdoms the kings involved and the wars that took place are all in that context but there is also a futuristic thing that is going to take place and that is you know that is the revelation that we're talking uh, about and about that everything has not been revealed so there is be there will be a mix of both of them in this chapter so when you are uh, reading through this entire you know, chapter, keep this uh, time period in your mind. So at the end, I will give a gist, then it will be easier for you to understand what I'm speaking. But just to let you know that there is a revelation time which has already taken place when the second temple was destroyed in Jerusalem by the Roman, Empire, the Roman emperors. And there is going to be a destruction again but this is not going to be only Jerusalem is involved. This will be the whole world would be involved in this thing. And the judgment would be passed not only onto a small place, but the entire world would be affected by that. And it will be a global phenomenon with the end of the world. And then comes the new Jerusalem. Okay. And also one more thing to keep in mind is that when you are reading this, you cannot only read in the context of the New Testament. You have to understand this chapter. You have to understand what the prophets in the Old Testament have spoken about this. All the scriptures that have come here has already, it's not the first time they are appearing. They have already come before in the past. One of the prophets like Daniel, like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Hosea, everybody has been telling repeatedly all those things that are going to that has going to take place not only with the destruction of the second temple but also about the end times that is the last battle the last battle that has not yet happened okay so we'll start with uh, revelation chapter 17 verse 1 then one of the seven angels who had the seven balls seven sorry seven bowls came and said to me come I will show you the judgment of the great whore who is seated on the many waters. So you remember in the last 
chapter and chapter 16, all the seven bowls of wrath has already been poured out. So what is this happening? This is like we, we saw in the last chapter, the entire thing in a, in a continuous, uh, you know, the first uh, bowl of wrath, the second, third, up, right up to the seventh, it was like a continuous devastation. So now the angel, the seventh angel, most probably the seventh angel, the seven, one of the seven angels, I believe it is the last angel because the last angel is the one which we are talking about will take uh, more uh, description about the war over here. So it's like he's taken the, you know, the remote of the, of uh, the, the, uh, the scenario that is spreading and he's put a pause and he's see, letting John go through that particular devastation very slowly, showing him exactly what happened when Babylon fell. You know, when Babylon is destroyed, the earthquake happened. What minute details took place is now explained by the seven in, seventh angel to, to St. John. So that is like, you know, it's, it's about one of the rats, but now the angel is giving a more clearer description about what happened in that. So he, uh, this angel comes and tells to John, come, I will show you the judgment of the great whore who's seated on the many waters. Now, who's seated on the many waters? You understand, you're wondering what it is. If you go to the same chapter, verse 15, the explanation is given. And he said to me, the waters that you saw where the whore is seated are people, peoples and multitudes and nations and languages. So this, the water where this great whore is seated upon is actually what? It is people, it's multitudes of nations and peoples and languages. So most probably the entire world. It's the sea of people. So this particular great whore is seated on many waters. Seated on many waters means it's got control over all the nations, all the languages, all the people and everyone. That's the meaning of this. And with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and with the wine of whose fornication the inhabitants of the earth have become drunk. So this is saying that the great whore is now had relationship with the kings of the earth. Fornication is like a, uh, a relationship outside of a legal relationship, an extramarital relationship of prostitution it's meaning that and with the wine of whose fornication the inhabitants of the earth have become drunk and the effect of this has now affected the whole world now to put it in a very simple way this great whore that they're talking about is the city of jerusalem for this you will have to understand the old testament as well as the new because god made his covenant who were the chosen people of god the israelites the Hebrews. And he, you know, uh, always, uh, like what you call the chosen, uh, the chosen nation, like if you would say. And he had set them apart to be a light to the world. He, you know, what you called, he, he was with them. It's with them that he made the covenant right from Abraham to the down that, you know, generations would be blessed through Abraham. And then he gave them laws. He gave them kings, he gave them prophets, he gave them judges. And every time that this uh, group of people, uh, though they knew the law, the law was told to them in, in, in very strict manner. It was written on their forehead and around the arms. 
they had uh, uh, they had seen how god had delivered them from the hands of their enemies so many times but time and again time and again it is the same people who are constantly kind of you know walking away from god if you would say like they had a covenant holy covenant with the god with the lord it's like a marriage covenant where it's holy and pure but they chose to play the harlot why what do you mean by that it means that they knew the true god but they left the true god it's like divorcing divorce in a relationship and they started playing harlot or they started prostituting with the pagan gods they started uh, worshiping the pagan gods they started taking uh, intermarriage with the uh, with the uh, uh, bringing girls into the family or bringing boys into the family of uh, people who are worshiping pagan gods and they started bowing down to this pagan gods and rejecting the true god so god's wrath you know constantly falls upon this people you know they uh, are uh, the what you call the recipients of the wrath of god and very clearly it is mentioned in the bible this is not some assumption that you know i'm speaking about right now but throughout the old testament you can see how god has constantly been calling jerusalem the great whore so just to give an example of that let us see the examples which are there where god says that you are paying the whore so you have to go to the book of isaiah chapter 1 verse 21 in this isaiah is given a vision of god you know and he is given a vision by god concerning judah and jerusalem go to verse 21 isaiah chapter 1 verse 21 and so very clearly it is written how the faithful city has become a whore she that was full of justice righteousness lodged in her but now murderous god is not mincing any word he is not making it easy he is saying these are the first word he says it was a faithful city but now it has become a whore and then he says that they are now murderers and go down to verse 24 therefore says the sovereign the lord of hosts the mighty one of israel i will pour out my wrath on my enemies and i'll avenge myself on my foes so he is saying that i will pour my wrath on jerusalem this faithful city which was once a faithful city is now become a whore and now it's full of murderers and now they will face the wrath of god the same is spoken by jeremiah if you go to jeremiah chapter 3 verses 1 to 3 you know is god is telling like if a man divorces his wife and she goes from him and becomes another man's wife will he return to her would not such a land be greatly polluted god is using the the marriage uh, the covenant of marriage to explain this his covenant with uh you know with jerusalem so he is explaining how in a marriage a man and a woman and how sacred that relationship is the same way he is explaining is the relationship or covenant between god and jerusalem and how jerusalem has now divorced god and now is going after pagan gods so i'll read it again for you so it will become clearer for you to understand if a man divorces his wife and she goes from him 
and becomes another man's wife, will he return to her? Would not such a land be greatly polluted? You have played the whore with many lovers. Means it was not only one nation or one pagan god. They said you have gone, you know, with with everyone, with the Egyptians, with the Arabs, with you know, so many other pagan gods. And would you return to me? Says the Lord. Look up to the bare heights and see. Where have you not lain with? By the wayside you have sat waiting for lovers. This is like a prostitute who's sitting on the, you know, on the, uh, you know, the uh, on the street and waiting for her lovers. So it's same way he's saying Jerusalem, you're also now prostituting with pagan gods. Like a nomad in the wilderness, you have polluted the land with your whoring and wickedness. You can see repeatedly God is using the same word. It's a bad word. It's a bad word, but it is in the Bible and it is spoken by God himself because he is, you know, like these are the chosen, you know, his chosen people. And he had created them so that, you know, they would be a light to the earth. They would uh, give, uh, you know, the direction to the other people of what to do right. But they themselves are now walking in total darkness and they are leading more people into the wrong side. Instead of leading people to God, now they were leading people away from God. So they have become a wrong uh, model. They have become not only as a single or one or two individuals, but the entire nation was now a nation of harlots. Harlots means not actual prostitution in the say, in the sense that you would understand now. Prostitution in the way like now they were going after foreign gods, pagan gods, just anything they would worship, idol worship. You have polluted the land with your whoring and wickedness. Therefore, the showers have been withheld and the spring rain has not come. Yet you have the forehead of a whore and you refuse to be ashamed. You see the, uh, the agony of the Lord in this. He's speaking about this nation. He says that you refusing to repent. How many times, not once, twice, thrice, hundreds of times I have, you know, sent people, spoken to you, I have brought you back to the right track, and again you fall. Again you go into idol worship. Again you go into pagan worship. Again you forsake me. You divorce me. And he says, now you will face my wrath. This is all in the Old Testament. It's speaking about the wrath that is going to fall uh, about uh, John has given this uh, vision about the destruction of the second temple. Okay, so that is in Jerusalem. The book, whole book of Hosea is about the Israelites forsaking their God. The entire book, you can go read Hosea. Especially, you know, I'll just take one verse. Uh, Hosea was 4, verse 12. Again, the same thing is written. A spirit of whoredom has led them astray. And they have played the whore forsaking their God. You know, the same word repeating again and again and again. Even Ezekiel 16 is totally graphic. It is like unbelievable what God, you know, the anger of God is like unbelievable. So I will leave that to you. Why I have given you so many scriptures is uh, just so that you would, you know, you will not have any doubt in your mind that about the nation that I'm speaking about is Jerusalem. Okay, so you don't have to get confused, you don't have to get uh, uh, worried about or anything. And keep in mind, there are two time frames about one is that has already taken place and one is a futuristic one. Okay, so 
now you understood the verse too, is this great horde, this is Jerusalem, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and with the wine of whose fornication the inhabitants of the earth have become drunk. Means now uh, the people are all polluted by all of them are you know, like doing pagan worship and all have moved away from worshipping the true God. So that's the meaning of this. Then verse 3. So he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was full of blasphemous names and it had seven heads and ten horns. So he carried me away is that the angel carries John away. Till now, he said, okay, come, I'll show you who is this. Now, let us talk about this, you know, I'll show you the judgment that is going to come upon this great whore. So, he's telling about, I'll tell you, I will, sorry, I'm, I will show you the judgment that is going to come upon this great whore. And now, the angel is taking John to a place that looks like a wilderness. Wilderness is what? Like a desert-like place. There is no life. There is nothing growing. It is dry, dusty. So in that place, and he's showing John now who that whore is. And we are also introduced to the next, I said the character that will appear in this book is the Scarlet Beast. Okay, I'll read it again. So he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast. This woman is the great whore that he mentioned before and that great whore according to the revelation that has already happened with the destruction of the temple is the city Jerusalem okay and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast so he is, this woman is seen to be sitting on a scarlet beast that was full of blasphemous names and it had seven heads and ten horns so are you understanding who the scarlet beast is Okay, now the scarlet beast, according to the revelation that is going to take place in the future, we read exact same description when we read chapter, you know, the 13, we told about uh, verse 1, and I saw a beast rising out of the sea, having 10 horns and 7 heads, and on its horns were 10 diadems, and on its heads were blasphemous names. Okay. Same scripture, same scripture, and I saw a beast rising out of the sea, ten horns, seven heads, and on his horns were ten diadems, that is crowns, and on his heads were blasphemous names. So this we read, this is the scripture totally matching the description of whom? The first beast was whom? The first beast was the Antichrist. I said the, there were three, uh, three uh, you know, characteristics of the satanic uh, trinity that were uh, revealed in the book of Revelation 13. Like we have uh, trinity, uh, the, uh, the real trinity, that is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now there is a satanic trinity too, and that is dragon or Satan. The second is Antichrist, and the third is the false prophet. Okay, so the false prophet. The second is the beast. So the beast according to the revelation that is going to futuristic revelation that is going to happen is who is the antichrist but according to the revelation that has already taken place with the destruction of the roman temple uh, sorry with the destruction of the temple in jerusalem by the romans the this beast that they are describing about the scarlet beast is the pagan roman emperor underline the word pagan roman emperor 
I'm very specific mentioning it. It is not the Rome that exists today. It's not the Rome that exists today. Okay. Now, this was the pagan, uh, you know, emperors. And they were in control. They were the emperor at that particular point of time. And even Jesus was in, uh, you know, uh, when he was, Jesus was sentenced to death. He was uh, sentenced to death by whom? By the governor, Pontius Pilate. And who was the emperor? The emperor was Caesar. Right? And in that, it was, you know, there are, uh, uh, you know, I will uh, tell about the, the different, uh, see, uh, you know, all are called Caesars, you know. So the third Caesars is called as Tiberius Caesar. At that particular point of time, was Jesus condemned to death. So the Caesar was a, was a pagan emperor and he was in charge of uh, or uh, the ruler of Rome or the Roman Empire. The entire history, like you, if you take uh, the dream from the book of Daniel, which I explain in detail about the head, about the arms, about the chest, about the legs. And the last we came was a Roman emperor. So that was, that Roman emperor is described here as the, as the scarlet beast. This has nothing to do with the present day Rome or the Vatican City. You know, uh, later on, these uh, Roman emperors were pagan worshippers, had pagan gods. But later on, you know, the king came Constantinople, just in uh, Constantine 1 in 313 AD, he got converted to a Christian. He became a Christian. He also was a pagan Roman emperor, but he accepted Christ. And then Rome was now, which was a pagan, you know, country, became grafted into God's own country. And from that time till now, you know, is exactly like 2021, 1,700 year, 1,708, 1,708 years have passed down. And we have had 260 popes, starting from, you know, the first pope, the Peter, and that is Jesus constituted, you know, put him and made him like, you are the rock and on you will the church be founded. Jesus formed this church, the Roman Catholic Church. And this church now has survived through this many years and is still continuing. It was initially a pagan Rome, but now it is not so. Now, this is the church that is leading people to Christ. Okay, so you understand that. But at the time of the, uh, of the destruction of the second temple, that scarlet beast that you see that is rising up is none other than the pagan Roman emperor. So did you understand? So it's, uh, uh, you know, it's a little um, uh, complicated, but not actually. So once you understand it, it'll become easier. So don't confuse the pagan Rome with the present day Rome. The two completely different separate entities. At that particular time, it is the pagan Rome. Okay, so we'll go again. See... He carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness and I saw a woman seat, sitting on a scarlet beast that was full of blasphemous names and it had seven heads and ten horns. It had 
seven heads and ten horns. Now, in detail about this, we'll be going in verse 9. I will go to that there. So that I will explain to you what this, who are the seven heads, what is the seven horns, and everything I will come to you in detail over there. But what you will understand over here is that this great city Jerusalem, which is the great whore, and the pagan Roman empire or the kingdom were what? Working in a synchronized manner. They were both. It, it shows that the woman was seated upon this, you know, the Roman emperor. It means that uh, it's not like you can take as a literal sense that, you know, you have a woman sitting on your head. It's not like in that literal sense because the woman represents a city and the beast represents an entire Roman kingdom, the pagan Roman kingdom at that particular time. So it means that they both were working in like, you know, they were like uh, peas, uh, like pods in a piece, like, you know, so close together, like in evil, in the not doing good, but in doing evil, they were so connected to each other. They were working together. They were synergistically working with each other. So that is the meaning of that. And that was full of blasphemous names, and it had seven heads and ten horns. I will come that in later. And then we'll come to verse 4. The woman was clothed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and jewels and pearls, holding in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the impurities of her fornication. And on her forehead was written a name, a mystery, Babylon the Great, mother of whores and of earth's abomination. Now, verse 4 and 5 is a description about the whore or description about the uh, about the city of Jerusalem at that particular point of time. And this exactly is like, you know, see, the all that the uh, satanic or the evil people do is, you know, just uh, they duplicate you know, what God has done in exactly the, you know, in a way that is uh, uh, evil. They do not, they cannot create anything new. You know, they cannot create anything new. So here this woman is now, uh, completely um, polluting uh, the priesthood that was uh, uh, instituted by God himself. The priesthood, you know, so the dress that she's wearing, purple and scarlet, it's, it's a sign of royalty, of priesthood, you know, and this was given by Christ himself. So go to Exodus chapter 28, verse 1 to 5, and you will understand that. This particular garment, like when uh, when uh, Moses led the people away from Egypt to the promised land, God instituted so many things for them. You know, he put the Levi priest who were in charge of offering the sacrifices, working for God. They would be the ones who are, their entire life is in service of God, offering the sacrifices, praying for the people, being in the temple, you know, so the clothes that they would wear. They, they were given the specific instructions where they were given by God himself to Moses and how it has to be, you know, stretched. And I will read it out for you from Exodus chapter 28 verses 1 to 5. And God is telling Moses this. Then bring near to you your brother Aaron and his sons with him from the Israelites to serve me as priest. Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, Eliezer and Ithimas, you shall make sacred vestments for the glorious adornment of your brother Aaron, and you shall speak to all 
who have ability, whom I have endowed with skill, that they may make Aaron's vestments to consecrate him for my priesthood. Very simple words. Is God is telling Moses to bring Aaron, that is uh, Moses' brother, and Aaron's son, four sons, to, uh, to bring near him. And then he's giving instruction that you have to make special vestments for them. And that vestments they are going to wear. And they are being consecrated for priesthood. Now these are the vestments that they shall make. A breast piece, a breast piece an ephod, a robe, a checkered tunic, a turban, and a sash. When they make the sacred vestments for your brother Aaron and his sons to serve me as priest, they shall use even the color and the garment he is giving you know, instructions about. They shall use gold, blue, purple, and crimson yarns, and fine linen. And it doesn't end with this. If you read this entire chapter of Exodus 28, you will get to know how in detail God gives every description of the design, the jewels that had to be embedded, which jewels had to be embedded where, what dress to wear when, and also the linen to be used, including the inner wear of the priest. God you know, went into minute details about the entire garment that you know, the priest would have to wear. And he ends with verse 33, he says, this shall be a perpetual, what does the per word perpetual means? It is like forever or continuous ordinance for him and for his descendants after him. So this is something that it was not only that at the time of Moses they had to, you know, follow this uh, kind of uh, uh, wearing those kind of garments, but they have to keep, or the priest had to wear this, you know, royal garments all those who minister to the Lord in the temple have to wear that. And that is what the priest in the royal, in the Roman Catholic Church are still wearing. They are continuing what God has commanded them to do. They still continue to wear this dress, which is, you know, purple, scarlet, gold, blue, fine linen. That is because they are representing you know, the priest, and they are coming in the presence of God, and they are following what God called them to do. Now, this woman, this war, or this city of Jerusalem is now depicted as, you know, completely making a mockery of the priesthood that God had himself, you know, constituted. So they say this woman looks clothed in purple and scarlet, Adorned with gold and jewels and pearls. You understanding it? Like, it's just the same. The, you know, in the, you see the futuristic one, Antichrist will do exactly what Christ has done. The false prophet will, you know, do exactly like what, you know, the, uh, the prophets of the old had uh, did Elijah and Moses and all. You know, the full replication, you know, but doing it in the evil way. Here also the city of Jerusalem is also is shown in such a way where they're making a mockery of the priesthood. You know, so they show the city is adorned. It's, it's a city which is decked up and with, uh, with all these colors and with these festal garments. 
and holding in a hand a golden cup full of abominations and the impurities of her fornication, and, her, and on her forehead is written a name. You know, I told you the importance of the forehead, because the forehead in the Old Testament, I have told you repeatedly, the forehead and the right hand, they would write down, you know, all the, the laws, the Torah, they would be written that they belong to Christ, that they are, you know, uh, following, sorry, they belong to God the Father, that they're children of the true God. They would write all the law upon them so that people could read if it's on the forehead. And for them to read, they would put it on their hand as, you know, as a band or something. So it's a reminder. So the forehead was very, very crucial for people at that time to show that they belong to Christ. And so even the enemy duplicates that but doesn't write good. You, you, read it, you read it even in the previous chapter, how, you know, Satan or the Antichrist, you know, writes down his number and name, which is 666, and he puts it on his forehead and forces people to also write it on their forehead and on the hands. So the forehead is very crucial. And this forehead, this woman is depicted. Woman is the city of Jerusalem, and it is depicted that on her forehead is written that a name, it says it's a mystery, but the mystery is revealed immediately. Babylon, the great mother of whores and of earth's abomination. And I told you the great city Babylon is none other than the city of Jerusalem. And it is in that same place where, you know, Jesus was crucified. It is that Sodom and Egypt, which I had explained about in the previous chapter. So all this is a depiction of showing the city of Jerusalem, which, is, which was once God's chosen, own chosen nation. Now how, you know, how the city has fallen down, gone into harlotry, into prostitution, uh, not in the, in, in the terms of physical sense, but in terms of rejecting the true God and you know, chasing after pagan gods and have gone so far away from God that they now have become God's own enemy. The same city is now God's own enemy and how God's wrath is, you know, uh, in the Old Testament, for, for John, it was the revelation. For us, it is our past. So we know how the temple was destroyed in AD, you know, between, uh, in AD 70, 66 to 70, how the temple was completely destroyed. And the temple that was destroyed was in Jerusalem. And they were destroyed by the Roman kingdom, the evil Roman emperor Nero Caesar. He was that evil, and his number is the number 666. Okay. So verse 6, And I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of the saints and the blood of the witnesses to Jesus. And I saw is, who says, John sees that this woman, woman as Jerusalem, was drunk with the blood of the saints and the blood of the witnesses to Jesus. Now, what is this blood of the saints and the blood of the witnesses to the Jesus? These are the early Christians who were, you know, martyred. You know, what do you mean by martyr? Or what do you mean by martyrdom? Someone who's killed in a very brutal, ma brutal manner because they are following Christ. They were killed in a brutal manner. The, there's so many martyrs of the... Uh, of uh, the in the early Christian time, see after mm, Jesus was crucified, then you have Stephen, then you have Andrew, then you have Peter himself, and Peter even uh, he was also crucified, but not on the cross, but not in uh, like how Jesus was crucified. He said he was not worthy to be killed in that manner, so he was crucified upside down. And there were many women who were, you know, early martyrdom, Sister Lucy, in the, you know, the Saint Lucy is also one of them. There are so many of them 
who were, these are the earlier martyrs and th this woman that is a city was now drunk means the blood of so many christians was shed in the city of jerusalem they were killed because they believed in christ you understanding so they were killed because they believed in christ now does not mean that they are there were no good israelites or jews at the time of jesus they were mother mary was joseph was peter paul andrew then you even have uh, this uh, joseph of arimathea there were so many good people who followed christ so they're not that the entire you know jerusalem or israelites were all evil not everybody there were many of them who accepted christ but the main people like you know the pharisees the sadducees the sanhedrin the high priest all of them who had the authority you know uh, or uh, on the land they rejected christ and that is such a paradox this is a group of people who were waiting for 400 plus years they knew their scripture it was not like something which just happened to them that jesus's birth was you know a phenomenon that they were, they were never expecting they were actually waiting for the birth of the messiah would come from them they knew it they knew the scriptures from genesis till you know till the birth of jesus they knew it all and when jesus comes to the temple he stands up and he preaches they refused to accept him they not only refused to accept him maybe just that would have been you know just um, okay i didn't believe but they go you know huge number of steps they go to the point of you know getting him crucified on the cross and that too being killed by pagans a land of israelites they had their own true god in their midst and they get a pagan emperor to crucify their god are you understanding it so this is the harlotry that jerusalem did it rejected the true god and not only rejected it they re they rejected jesus in such a way they got a pagan emperor to pass the judgment and crucify you know jesus on the cross in such a horrific manner you know so that's why the judgment of god when you hear you no know, it's not simple it's not you know okay what you know uh, what you could say like you know if someone is told to be you know you know just uh, take a gun and shoot and the person is dead and gone like it is not like that it, this is a this is a you would have i have read about all the you know the trumpets then the vials and everything being poured out so it is like every part god has you know taken a true judgment and the judgment is passed upon you know complete in total in total wrath at that point when the destruct the temple was destroyed the judgment was passed only on jerusalem and there was uh, you know they say around million people died at that particular point of time but when the judgment would be upon the earth as a whole so you can say the population of the world those who don't believe in christ and all you know those who have already gone up to heaven those who are left behind 
everything would be destroyed. So that number would be, you know, something that we have even no clue about what that number could be. So that is the harlotry that this that the city of Jerusalem did, and it was drunk means. It was drunk with it means they're just killing. They're killing the uh, brutally murdering the people who believe in Christ. And, you know, uh, so the wine is depicted like, you know, that they are drunk with the blood, that they are drinking it. It's almost like the blood is flowing, you know, from all those, uh, from the martyrs who are dead. And the depiction is as though that they're drinking the blood of the thing, of the martyrs. So when I saw her, I was greatly amazed. No, when I saw her, is who? It's John sees her means who? He sees Jerusalem and he is greatly amazed. He's not amazed means if you read the next verse, he'll come to say, oh, so beautiful. It's not that kind of an amazement when you look at something and you go, wow, oh, wow, it's so nice. This is the other kind of wow. Oh, no. That kind of an amazement it is like, you know, why? Because he knew Jerusalem was the land, you know, God's chosen people. Jesus was there. Jesus has been speaking to these people. And for him to be shown that this is the great whore, he is shocked. Because, you know, everybody's uh, uh, um, knowledge of the word is this, they are God's chosen people. Isn't it? So now for him to realize that they are now the, you know, God has just rejected these people. He's calling them the great war. And, you know, this entire city is, is, going, is, uh, is going to be destroyed. He is amazed. And angel said to me, 7, verse 7, Why are you so amazed? Why are you so amazed? The angel is telling. Don't you know your scriptures? Throughout the Old Testament, look at the number of times that, you know, the, the city of Jerusalem has gone the wrong way and how God has been, you know, uh, you know behind the city, crying over it, you know, trying to bring them back to the right track, sending people after people after people, and these people would come to the right path for some time, and again they would go against God, and how judgment has been pronounced against them. I read to you all those verses. Go back and read again. So why should you be amazed, John? Is what the angel is telling John. You shouldn't be. You should be expecting this to happen. This own city, your own city, has rejected God. And then he says, the angel says to John, I will tell you the mystery of the woman. So I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast with seven heads and ten horns that carries her. That will come a little later. I will explain that again a little later. And verse 8. The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to ascend from the bottomless pit and go to destruction. Now there is a description of the beast, the scarlet beast. Okay. Now I told you According to the uh, revelation that has already taken place, the scarlet beast was the pagan Roman kingdom. Okay. Now here, the you know, the, what they're talking about is the beast that you saw was, is not, and is about to ascend from the bottomless pit is to do with the futuristic revelation. And who is it talking about? He's talking about the Antichrist. I explained to you in Revelation chapter 13 is what the beast or the Antichrist would do. He would be wounded. He would have a deadly wound on him. He would die just like Christ. And after three days, he would come back to 
life and the whole world would follow him go back to you know where where was that particular scripture is in verse 13 in chapter 13 where i had given you you know chapter 13 only verse 3 chapter 13 verse 3 so you go back to that and read it again one of his head seemed to have received a death blow but its mortal wound had been healed in amazement the whole earth followed the beast so that i had given explanation there but i'm telling you again is that the antichrist will replicate what christ himself did and this is a futuristic revelation so that's why it is said here the beast that you saw was and is not and is about to ascend from the bottomless pit so this beast is he you know the antichrist look like he was there then suddenly he is not there and he has appeared again and in the last he will come from the bottomless pit and that last coming up from the bottomless pit would be the last battle that would take place between the antichrist and christ that will come in chapter 19 and you know the story christ will win the battle and he will take this to Oh, the Antichrist and the Prophet, and they will be thrown into fire, which is burning with sulphur. That is in Revelation chapter nineteen. So here, this is description about the beast in the futuristic revelation, and the beast in the futuristic revelation is the Antichrist. Did you get it? Okay, fine. And the inhabitants of the earth. whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will be amazed when they see the beast because it was and is not and is to come so now you understanding this is this uh, this verse is making it very clear that we are talking about the futuristic revelation because the book of the lamp of god was not it was not opened up at the time when uh, with the destruction of the second temple this book does not at all come into the picture this only comes into the picture when the world will ultimately you know the, everything comes to an end that time if the name of the person is not there in the book of life then they cannot go into heaven they are not there so this particular uh, you know scripture is talking about the beast of the futuristic revelation and this beast is the antichrist and it is the same mortal wound died and rose again just like christ and again the you know the people will be amazed when they see the beast why they'll be amazed oh no not like oh wow this is also oh no why oh no now they will realized that they made they made a wrong decision they went chasing after this antichrist they worship this antichrist and because of that now for ever and ever they are condemned to damnation or hell so now the people are also in like now they will realize knowledge would you know it would hit them that what they did was a wrong decision but they had not repented and now they get to know the truth that the person that they were following after was the anti christ that's up to verse 8 So uh, Revelation chapter seventeen verse nine. Verse nine says, "This calls for a mind that has wisdom." The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman is seated. Also, they are seven kings. Okay, 
So now this calls for a mind, and very true. You need to ask God for, you know, wisdom and to understand uh, whatever you're reading here with the mind of Christ, you know. So you need to ask God. And even James 1.5 says, you know, if you're lacking in wisdom, ask the Lord. I know it's not going to be so easy, you know, unraveling all these uh, scriptures. You may have to sit down with a paper pen, with your book, go back scripture to scripture, underline, read. But whatever you do, ask the Holy Spirit and ask him to fill you with his wisdom, with the wisdom of Christ. And when you get that, it will become very simple and easy to understand. So that's why he says, this calls for a mind that has wisdom. Whose wisdom? Not your and my wisdom. It's the wisdom of Christ. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the king woman is seated. Also, they are seven kings. Now, this also has a, you know, a, a understanding with the destruction of the second temple and also a futuristic revelation. Now, what is going to happen in the future? We, we, we do not know what's going to happen. But we can we know everything that has happened with the destruction of the second temple. So when you look from that point of view, all this and the further scriptures become very easy because all the details about the destruction of the second temple is found. It is written. It is, you know, everything is uh, in record and it has been proved, approved. It has happened on earth. People have seen, recorded, everything is done. So they say the seven heads are Seven mountains on which the woman is seated, also they are seven kings. Means the seven heads, that the seven heads are also seven mountains and they are also seven kings. Seven kings means they are seven men or seven rulers. They are particular seven rulers. I will read the next verse and then explain both together. Of whom five have fallen, one is living and the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must remain for only a little while. Okay. This is describing about the, you know, the six Roman emperors who were there till the time of Nero Caesar. Nero Caesar was the evil one with the number 666 or who we called as the, you know, the beast of the uh, of the of the time of the Roman emperor, which I explained to you about the destruction of the second temple. The first Roman emperor is Julius Caesar. The second is Augustus Caesar. Third is Tiberius Caesar. I told you Tiberius Caesar. During his reign only, Jesus was crucified. Then we have Caligula Caesar. Then we have Claudius Caesar. Then we have Nero Caesar. Nero Caesar is the one which we said as the Antichrist or we say the beast. And the seventh is Galba. So it is written over here, of whom five had fallen. By the time John was given this vision, the first five, that is Julius, Augustus, Tiberius, Caligula, and Claudius have already fallen. They are over. Their life is over. They have been destroyed. A new emperor has come. The new emperor is the sixth emperor, or Nero Caesar. That, so he was the one who was living at the time when John gets this vision. He was the one who was living at the time. And the other has not yet come. So means Galba had not yet come. It is later on he will come. And when he comes, he must remain for only a little while. So when Galba comes into power after Nero Caesar dies, he is the one who had uh, uh, destroyed the temple of Jerusalem. He was that evil Roman emperor who had destroyed the temple of 
Jerusalem, who were destroyed, you know, uh, the, the Great War, which took place, the first Jewish-Roman War. That was that time, at AD, uh, you know, 70, 66 to 70 AD, at that particular time, was Nero Caesar. And after he dies, comes the seventh emperor called as Galba. And actually, Galba had a very short reign as an emperor. Only just for six to seven months was he an emperor. So this correctly fits what is uh, written over here. It's very simple that these are seven rulers. And they also say seven mountains. And even also Rome is called as a city of seven mountains. That is, it's a history. Anyone opens a book, they can go and they can find out that Rome is called the city of seven hills, actually. Seven hills. So this is concerning the revelation that has already happened. Don't get confused that this is the revelation that is the futuristic revelation. No, this has already happened. It is talking about the pagan Roman emperor. Seven rulers. I gave you the names of all the seven. And with sixth is the Nero Caesar. He was the, the actual beast at that particular point of time. And after him comes Galba. Now, the same thing or a similar thing is going to happen in a futuristic revelation. But it is not the same Roman emperor that will be the beast at that particular point of time or the Vatican City. This is the Antichrist for the futuristic revelation. So that's made clear. And the verse 11 is, as for the beast that was and is not, so that is who? That is, was and is not, is also referring to the Antichrist of the futuristic revelation and also telling about generally, you know, the evil one or Satan. It is an eighth, but it belongs to the seven and it goes to destruction. So this, all these evil rulers, they get their wisdom or get their whatever, they get their power is given to them by, by an evil power. And that evil power is the eighth one and that too will go into destruction. That means it could be either Satan or it could be the Antichrist. So the eighth one is either Satan or Antichrist or it could be a combination of both because all of them are a trinity of Satan, the Antichrist and the false prophet. So all the three are working together. The main, the first two are the main people. So these are the satanic hold upon this seven kingdoms is what they are saying in terms of the old covenant in old, sorry, in old revelation that has taken place. In the new revelation also, it's going to happen. I will explain that in the next verse. And the ten horns that you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but they are to receive authority as kings for one hour together with the beast. We spoke about the seven hands. Now these are the ten horns. Now at that particular point of time, Rome had ten provinces their provinces, 10 different states. And each of the province, they had a head. Each state had a head. So these states, when John was shown the vis vision, these people had not yet come into power. By seed is written. And the 10 horns that you saw are 10 kings who have not yet received a kingdom. They have not yet come into power at the time that John is seeing the vision but they are to receive authority as kings for one hour together with the beast. Now, what happened at that particular point of time is that they say, 
this entire 10 provinces of rome they all joined together they are you know the they they are actually what you call close friends with the with the jerusalem that is the whore but now this same this friendship turns sour and how they will come join with you know the dragon and destroy the city you will come to that a little later how you will take that with the futuristic revelation is that in the futuristic revelation they are explaining it could be 10 different nations that are going to together form a union or it could be you know multiple nations that will together follow union they will join their hands with satan with the beast with a prophet and they will make war with jesus that is the futuristic revelation that would take place later what has already happened is that is a roman pagan roman emperor which is you know first friends with the whore now how it joins the 10 kings and that means the entire roman kingdom with all the states with the emperor they give their power to the beast that is to the main roman emperor and how they had destroyed the temple of jerusalem that is of the one that has already taken place so these are united verse 13 these are united in yielding their power and authority to the beast so they have given the authority to the beast they says we are uh, all everything of ours belongs to you we'll do as you command us to do and we will, you know, uh, what we are now uh, co-partners in crime. So what do they do? They will make war on the lamb and the lamb will conquer them. For he is lord of lords and king of kings. And those with him are called and chosen and faithful. So now this is actually directly speaking about the futuristic revelation. Because now at a time later on it's going to happen where the antichrist, the Satan antichrist and the false prophet and these nation could be 10 nations they have all joined together they give the authority to the beast they give the authority to satan to the beast and his uh, and his uh, uh, false prophet and they take over and now all this entire pagan kingdom has become one and now they are fighting with christ and his believers okay but the lamb that i told you is the jesus the lamb will conquer them. So this has not yet happened. This is going to take place in Revelation 19. Why? Why will the Lord come? Because it, it, is, it is a known thing. Like, you know, he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And those with him are called chosen and faithful. Those who are believed in Christ, they are the chosen and the faithful ones. Verse 15, and he said to me, he is, uh, John said to me, the waters that you saw where the war is seated are peoples and multitudes and nations and languages. This I already spoke to you in when I was speaking the first verse because it is shown that this woman or the great whore is seated upon many waters. This explanation is given in verse, uh, you know, verse 15 and we know what the waters uh, signify. They are the peoples and multitudes and the nations and languages. It means the entire world and this entire world is not only restricted uh, to only, you know, so it, uh, the first uh, revelation or destruction of the temple was only to Jerusalem. But now when you say the entire world, nation, languages, means every person, every nation, every language that has rejected Christ now becomes a great whore. It is not only Jerusalem. Now it is expanded to come, you know, to encompass the entire world of all the pagan you know, 
those who worship pagan gods, the pagan believers, those who are, you know, have rejected, willfully rejected Christ, they all become the great whore city or, you know, it was first only the Jerusalem which God was pouring his wrath upon, but now it is, you know, everyone who has rejected Christ personally, including entire nations which have rejected Christ. So now that is the futuristic uh, revelation. And the ten horns that you saw, they and the beast will hate the whore. They will make her desolate and naked. They will devour her flesh and burn her up with fire. This could be understood with what happened in uh, the destruction of the second temple is what, you know, first they are good friends, but as happens, the friendship turns sour. And the same uh, Roman Empire, the pagan Roman Empire, is like made the, made the city of Jerusalem naked like it plundered it, you know, it completely devastated, it took away everything, they went even into the temple, the holy of holies, they took away, you know, uh, uh, desecrated the temple, and they put the image of, of their emperor over there, like, you know, they did everything that was evil, it was like the city was made naked, and it was like, you know, what they did in the end, they will devour her flesh means it's not like they're going to eat her up means there is nothing left of god in that city and they burned that city with fire and the fire raged and raged and raged and the you know this is a it's a war that is written in 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 the uh, record so you can go to the jewish roman war and see entire thing it's written about how jerusalem was completely you know destroyed on that uh, at the time of the war, which has already happened, you know, so this is destruction. Now, this now you magnify into the entire world, and that would be the fate of every person, every nation that rejects the true God. And verse 17 is, For God has put it into their hearts to carry out his purpose by agreeing to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God will be fulfilled. So, you know, in, in the Old Testament, you heard so many times, like God hardens Pharaoh's heart to not let the people go. God hardens Pharaoh's heart. You will read it through all the seven plagues, you know. Sometimes it's so difficult to understand. Lord, why would you, you know, so Pharaoh had no choice. Like what you would say is, he had no choice. He His heart was hardened by God. But if you would really understand, it is not like that. It is like, the people, Egyptians, had, you know, their main ten gods. Ten gods. And if you take the ten plagues, each plague is very specific about a particular god that they worshipped. So each plague that fell upon Egypt at that time was a direct, uh, what you call, war upon that particular Egyptian god that the Egyptian, the Egypt, Egyptians were worshipping and God had to go through with all the ten of their main gods for his glory to be seen by the people and for them to realize that none of their gods, you know, had anything compared to the one true God. So he had to go through the whole, you know, all the ten of them and the ten plagues fall in exactly that order. So the heart of Pharaoh was hardened. That's a difficult, tough topic. It's for a different time, but I'm explaining. In this context is why, because 
God also has put it into their hearts to carry out his purpose means the antichrist the satan and the beast are going to be have you know they're going to unleash such kind of a fury upon the people those who don't accept Christ they are not going to be you know it's not going to be an easy time it's going to be really tough for the unbelievers and until the words of god like every single word which god has said in the bible it is fulfilled it will happen it is going to take place so if you know if they say if you uh, speak evil if you even think evil if an evil desire also crosses your mind there is a punishment for that unless we have asked for forgiveness you know there's nothing that god is going to overlook or god does not know or god is not uh, going to judge when god is a good god he is a very good god is a loving god and that is part of his nature part of his love is that he is also a very good judge he is not a, like a judge who will take a bribe and let people go off uh, free he is a judge who is going to be absolutely fair and true and a true judge so every you know when we will stand in front of god like we say everything of us there's nothing that could be hidden inside of us everything would be exposed to god our innermost thoughts our innermost desires our desires the plans are the good bad evil everything ugly would be exposed to god and for that we would stand in judgment you know so it is so very crucial for us christians to know that you know how uh, careful we have to live our lives in total surrender to this god and uh, um, it's not like we have to be scared of this god but there should be a fearful reverence for this god because he is so holy you cannot make him just like you know any any other god because there is no other god that can even come close to this true god there is nothing you, you even if you look through and the entire universe you will not come across even anything that is even a percentage of holiness in them that can compare to you know the true god so we have to have this fearful reverence of this true god because everything that he said he will bring it to fulfillment and even if it is wrath that he has spoken about the wrath will come upon everyone who does not believe in christ and the last verse is the woman you saw is a great city that rules over the kings of the earth so that is just about the great city jerusalem that rules about uh, you know uh, that we have seen that is with the destruction of the second temple and the one which is going to come is the entire world of unbelievers everyone comes into that city so you cannot only say it's jerusalem but it come it come it you know it encompasses the entire world so to make it very simple divide take a paper pen and write it down in, you know somewhere make it down these three characters one is the lamp remains the same for both it is jesus it is jesus now with the second uh, destruction of the temple which is the first revelation the you know the beast that you see is the uh, roman the pagan right pagan don't just write rome right pagan roman emperor it's no way connected to the vatican city or rome or present times it's a pagan roman emperor and the war or the great war is the city of jerusalem that is with the with the uh, destruction of the second temple now the futuristic revelation that is going to take place is the great whore or the city is not only jerusalem but it includes the whole world of people and nations who do not or refuse to accept jesus christ as their lord god and savior now the beast is the antichrist 
and the lamp is the lamp of God, Jesus. I mean, I hope it was made simple and easy to understand and there will be more about this great city, about the war and the Babylon in the next chapter. So till then, God bless you. Thank you so much for listening, for being, uh, you know, attentive till this. Uh, we are almost towards the end of the book of Revelation, just a few more chapters to go through. So please pray for me. And uh, because I need all your prayers so that you're able to complete this book of Revelation, it's so very important. Keep my family too in your prayers and our ministry, our JCLM ministry, and very especially for uh, Brother Kiran and his family who are doing, you know, he's taking the time off to do all the recordings so that they go and, uh, you know, you're able to sit in your houses and watch those recordings. Keep all of us in your prayers. We require your prayers. So shall we end this uh, session with a final prayer? Abba Father, we thank you and praise you, God, for this um, time of uh, sharing of the word, of uh, understanding your word and you speaking through me to all your people, O Master. Thank you, God, that these people, everyone who's listening, has a mind of Christ and they seek your wisdom to understand this particular chapter and every chapter in the book of Revelation, O Master. Thank you, O God, that you make it very simple. And as they go back and sit and revise this, O God, you sit with them personally and you guide them through this chapter so that they are not deceived by any false teachings. They know the truth as you want them to know it, O Master. Thank you, O God, that you have given us time to repent Thank you, O God, that you have given us time to come back to you and let not one of us lose that opportunity to come back to you. Help us to live our lives that gives glory to you and to teach your, the, your precepts and the way that you live so that we can teach it to the whole world so that not one person would be lost, but everyone will come to your saving grace. We thank you, God, for all that you have done, you're doing, and that you will continue to do. And we cover this entire teaching with the precious blood of Jesus. We make this prayer in the mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.